Welcome to Living Orthodoxy, an invitation to a deeper life in Christ. Living Orthodoxy is the parish podcast of St. Philip Orthodox Church in Souderton, Pennsylvania. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Glory to Jesus Christ. This is the day which the Lord has made. This beautiful middle Sunday of July is the Feast of the Fathers of the Fourth Ecumenical Council. And the reason that this feast falls here is one of the most beautiful and sometimes sadly forgotten stories that involves one of the great women martyrs who wasn't necessarily a theologian in the way that we think of academic scholarly theology. But we'll get to that in a minute. The gospel that we read from the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, the unfolding of our Lord's vision for our life as sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father, which is a reorientation of our understanding of our existence that God, the creator of the universe, the God who delivered his people from pharaonic bondage in Egypt to the promised land, that God allows us, invites us to call him daddy, to call him Abba, to call him father. And it changes who we are to relate to the the unmovable mover, the force beyond all forces, the one who exists, the one who exists outside of time and space, and to relate to him as father. It's a great privilege, and I think it's a privilege that we forget how blessed we are to have. So in this Sermon on the Mount, our Lord says something that it doesn't make a lot of sense initially. This is what I want to kind of tease out in this sermon. He says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hidden. You are the light of the world. Which is very gratifying to hear initially. Right? Wow, I'm the light of the world. This is great. I can do it like the little engine that could. One of my favorite stories growing up. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. I am the light of the world. So it's not exactly what Christ meant, though. Because he said, in John's Gospel, John records him saying, I am the light of the world. Two different times, one in chapter 8 and one in chapter 9. I am the light of the world. So there seems to be a contradiction there, but that contradiction can be resolved very easily. But before we resolve it, a little history lesson. In the fourth and fifth century, there was a British monk named Pelagius. And Pelagius was a scholar 
and wrote theology, and he was kind of, a, you maybe would say, a moral philosopher with very strong moralistic tendencies, which are good. We should be moral. We should, we should do the right thing. But Pelagius had a very interesting, slightly skewed view of fallen humanity. And his view essentially was that fallen humanity was not fallen, and that we had the power in and of ourselves to please God, to do what was right. And we did not need God's grace to do that. Now his grace helped us, for sure. And Pelagius did talk about that. But it was not necessary. Christ did not come to save us in the sense that we as Orthodox, small O and large O, Orthodox Christians think of. He came to save us by giving an example. This is how you can live in a way that is pleasing. And this was a big problem in the fifth century. This sounded a lot like normal theology, but it wasn't. And St. Augustine corrected, and I think looking back, especially looking from the eastern side of the Mediterranean, we would say he overcorrected to the point of setting up theology in the West to talk about total depravity, talk about the original sin and, you know, the impossibility of humans pleasing God. So perhaps St. Augustine went too far. But eventually, it was only in the Third Ecumenical Council, 431, that Pelagian, this Pelagian heresy, that humanity does not really need God's grace, does not need Christ's saving death and resurrection. And it was finally condemned once and for all. Though I think it still exists in our minds. And this is why we have so much cognitive dissonance. Because we think we can do everything on our own. And yet we don't. And what do we do with it? Instead of running to God, as we should, we beat ourselves up. Or we run to medication. Or we medicate ourselves in other ways. Jumping from the Third Ecumenical Council to the Fourth, which we are celebrating today, the Fourth Ecumenical Council shows how God, how Christ is that example and that Savior together in one. That Jesus Christ is the perfect union of God and man in a single person. He is the God-man. And there is this hypostatic or personal hypostatic union. In Jesus' person, heaven and earth were reunited. Eternity and time were brought back together again. God and man were brought back into communion in Christ. And his nature, God and man, those two natures, were together without mixture without confusion, without change, and without separation. One Lord Jesus Christ with two natures. Showing the way that we are saved is synergy. Synergia means the cooperation 
God first, man second. The cooperation, the cooperative understanding of salvation is really the key to understanding the scriptures, the key to understanding our life in Christ, and the key to understanding ourselves. But in the council in Chalcedon in 451, it was a difficult time, and there was a major rift in the Christian world that came out of that. But the sweet moment that we must not forget about is the way that the Holy Fathers decided to solve the issue. They wrote the two confessions of faith from the two competing sides, and they put them in the tomb of Saint Ephemia, who was a great martyr buried there in Ephesus, or in Chalcedon. And they, they closed up the tomb. Her body was incorrupt. They closed up the tomb, fasted for three days, stayed awake and prayed. I don't know who would have thought of this. It's just crazy to think of. After three days, they opened it. And the Orthodox Confession of Faith was in her right hand. And the heterodox confession of faith was under her feet. They did not put them there, they put them on her chest. And so there was a little miracle. The miracle didn't solve the problem, but the miracle leaned into, very strongly, leaned into the solution, the solution that they had found anyway. So we are the light of the world. You are the light of the world because you have been illumined, enlightened by Christ. I'm wearing my baptismal font. I mean my baptismal font. I'm wearing my baptismal robe this morning. I'm feeling a little under the weather. and needed a little more strength. I'm bearing, wearing my baptismal robe. It reminds me that I was illumined with God's light. I don't have to shine on my own. This is God's light shining. I don't have to have the perfect priesthood, though I struggle for that, because Christ has already offered the perfect priesthood. And brothers and sisters, you don't have to have the perfect son and daughterhood of God, because Christ has already offered that. But we can draw ourselves nearer to him. Let his love perfect our lack of love. So how do we do this? How do we do this? We have to, of course, take the sacraments seriously and know that the sacraments are a vehicle of God's grace in our life. We have to read the scriptures seriously because the scriptures strengthen us they bring us back into a godly way of thinking. We also have to serve and sacrifice seriously. Like St. Paul was writing to Titus, that those who would be of the faith excel in good works. We have to go out of our way and be the first person to open the door, the first person to take the, the back seat the one that sacrifices, the one that gives. Not earning our salvation, but giving because we've been given everything. 
Today we're also celebrating the memory of Saint Nicodemus of the Holy Mountain, who compiled the Philokalia, about a thousand years worth of spiritual writings in an anthology, most of which are translated into English. And if you haven't read the Philokalia, I hope you will start, but I hope you will start very cautiously. We have some text in the library. You can probably find some online. If you take your, your life in Christ, your prayer life seriously, you need to read these masters of prayer. One more piece of encouragement for you. Saint Paisius, whom we know as Elder Paisius, who was canonized a couple years ago, at the end of his life, he was, he was tired and he was a little bit confused because he had left the world to live on Mount Athos. And his, his retirement, his prayer had been interrupted by years and years, decades of visitors knocking, constantly knocking at his door, asking for his help, asking for his prayers, his advice. And he felt like he was starting to lose his way. And a couple of different saints visited him, but the one I'm thinking of this morning especially is Saint Ephemia, the same saint from Chalcedon, you know, with the scrolls. And when Saint Ephemia visited him, he was very cautious initially, and he made sure that she was not some demonic apparition. He made her cross herself, made her bow down before an icon of the Virgin Mary and kiss the icon, made her cross herself, bow down before and kiss an icon of Christ. And then only, only then he started to talk to her. And this is what she said. She said, you know, I suffered greatly for Christ. How did she describe the martyrdom? But you know, heaven is so beautiful that I wish I could come back to earth and suffer a hundred times more. I don't understand, I don't understand that. But that's what she said to Saint Paisius. And that's what she's saying to us. That's a tough message, isn't it? But that's our message. May God help us. May God's light shine through us so that illumined with Christ's fire, we can be lights for the world, like the Holy Fathers. Amen. For more information about St. Philip Orthodox Church, visit us online at st-philip.net.